When you are beginning your creative life, it is so important to be with the process and to not try to rush forward. I mean, as much as you want to be making a shit ton of money, because I swear to God, most of us do. Most of us want to be making good money so we can be comfortable and have security. But be with the process because it's such a beautiful thing to look back at. Let's dig through the mud together We're so glad you're here Join us here each week For Mudlark Mudlark Hi loves, welcome to Mudlark. I'm your host, Danny Boltz, and I started this podcast because for years I stayed quiet in my own mess. And when I started to speak and honestly tell the truth for the first time in my life, it was in those moments of truth speaking that I felt most seen and connected. So now I believe with every ounce of who I am that it is our stories that connect us, especially the darker, stickier, more challenging parts of them. I'm not here to bring you big names. I'm here to bring you huge topics. And now it's time for us to dig through the mud because basically we're all just little monsters wanting to be loved. Let's go. Hey guys, happy Monday. Welcome back to the show. I am really excited to share my conversation with my husband. Hi today. We have not recorded since our anniversary back in September and we had such a good time sharing with you all of the ways in which we have curated the creative life that we're living today. It's honestly been one of the biggest questions we've gotten like through the podcast and then through our community page over on Honeysuckle and Mud on Instagram. You guys want to know how we are doing what we're doing. How do we spend part of our time in Montana and part of our time in Oregon? How do we just like do what we do between the spoon carving and the contract labor and just all of these different facets to our business and to our life. And we're here to tell you literally everything um, from what we witnessed our parents doing growing up work-wise to every single one of our financial income streams. We are here to, I don't know, how do I explain it? It's like when we're talking about 2020 and what we're really wanting to bring to our community. The main topic is supporting those who are interested in living a more creative life. And what is creative living? It's living a life that is reflective of your heart, reflective of your values. And yeah, I just don't even need to talk any more about it because you're about to listen. Before we hop into the episode, I want to listen or I want to read to you um, our most recent five-star review. This is from Danny Rose One. Love your name, girl. Uh, Five-star review titled Love It. It's like an intimate conversation with a close friend. Love the topics and the vulnerability shared by the host and her amazing guests. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much for leaving that. If you have not left a five-star review, or that was kind of bratty, if you have not left a review, please do head over to iTunes after you listen to today's episode. Rate it five stars. Talk about what the show means to you. Share it with someone you love. If there's a certain episode that really rings true to you or reminds you of somebody, 
send it to them. That is how the show grows. And I would just really, really appreciate it. So without further ado, let's move on to my conversation with Hi. I'll see you on the other side. Hi, you guys. Welcome back. I am here with my husband. Hi, Bolts. Hi. Hi. Uh, Hi, and I haven't recorded in a really long time. I mean, we recorded a couple episodes early on. So like maybe back in September, October. Yeah, I think the last one was our anniversary. Oh, yeah. You guys should listen to that. It's our it was an anniversary special with the raccoons. (laughs) Yeah, we were staying at a campground (laughs) and we got attacked by raccoons, but it was a great episode. We um, kind of renewed, can we say renewed our vows? Yeah, we revisited them. We We didn't officially record anything, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so we revisited our vows and we talked about creative living in that episode, which parlays us into what we are talking about today. Um, For those of you who are new to the show, um, we're going to give you guys a little background on what creative living means to us and what a creative life looks like for us. Um, But in today's conversation, Hi and I just really want to break down what our creative life looks like and how we got to where we are today Um, with our home goods. I can't even call Honeysuckle and Mud a home goods business Mm -hmm. anymore because it's grown to be just this umbrella business for basically everything we love, <laughs> like retreats and all, products. All the things we do. All the things we do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just want to, we want to break it down. We want to break down how we got to this place because so many of the questions that come through at our retreats, at our spoon carving classes, uh, through our DMs on Instagram, you guys want to know how we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> So we're going to tell you guys how we do what we do. Um, And we're going to start by kind of bringing it. We're going to start by just bringing it back to where we were at in our business, in our own like work life when we met each other. So do you kind of want to start that and just. Yeah, because that that was part of our story of how we met um, working for families and partnership myself and advocating for families in the Libby community and which is a town in Montana which is yeah which is that Montana town small Montana town and uh that was that was a regular schedule 40 hours a week job and uh it had some creative freedom a little element of that there but also you know pretty structured um expectations and reporting requirements and all of those kind of things. Yeah, how did you fall into that job? So that's that's an interesting question because that definitely gets at right to the sort of the core of creative living uh, because I've, I've swung both ways. And the creative living question, a lot of times I feel like people ask that question because they see, um, they see kind of the best of the creative lifestyle. Totally. And they, they create their their picture of what that must be like. Right. Um, Rolling in dough. Right. Just free to do whatever. Skiing on a Tuesday. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Homes all over the place. And uh, there's there's definitely some creative license in that interpretation. Yeah. uh, Because it's it's not all of that. 
Um, right, which we will get into for sure. Totally. Yeah. So the where it comes down to is this idea of of what you value and where your values lie, and whether whether that security of having the biweekly paycheck that you know what to expect and when it's coming, there's a huge value in that. And that's how I ended up at Families and Partnership. Right. Because prior to that, I was working uh, independent contracting in carpentry, which has has a lot more creative freedom and job specific sort of time frames like you work this job for until it's done and then you move on to the next one and that's where it gets interesting because hopefully you move on to the next one but you never know for sure for sure <laughs> so there's this unknown element yeah. and at that time um my own calculation of that value of that in that consistent paycheck through the winter uh, compared to the freedom of independent contracting, um, I really needed to lean on that for a while. Right. I needed to have that security, and so that that value rose rose up in importance. Right. Well, and you were at such a transition in your life. Like, I mean, you went through a divorce, and everything sure. was changing. And yeah. so, having that security obviously became so much more important because everything else was like, "What the fuck? Everything's right. changed." <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So that was that that's how I ended up there. And it was a it was a kind of work that appealed to me and has has meaning in the humanitarian values that you bring and that connection to people mm. and where they are in their stories. Right. What what they're working, working for and what they're excited about and what they're struggling with. And so there was that that would that appealing element of really working closely with people. And you were so good at that. I remember, I mean, yeah. because we met because I was, well, I guess it was before I actually started working for them. But when I remember you would work primarily with moms, it seemed like. Yes. And women in really fragile states too. Mm -hmm. And it's rare, I think, for women to find such like comfort with a man during like those harder mm. times. And I remember seeing it like crystal clear. Mm -hmm. I was like, you were the perfect person for this job. Cause you just made them feel so safe and cozy and seen. Yeah. And I, I learned a lot of that there. Yeah. Uh, just from doing it, just from yeah showing up and holding space for people to, to share what they were going through. Right. And so you were working that job. And then at that time, we met because I, I had my yoga studio mm -hmm. and I was kind of thinking about closing it at that time, but I was kind of going for like that extra push and we met at a mm -hmm. health fair right. and I had my yoga booth. We don't need to go through that whole story because we actually do have our story back on maybe episode four something. So go back and listen to that to hear more of the history of our relationship. But at that time I was working creative work. Yeah, you were much more independent and you had your own thing. And yeah. were kind of feeling that uncertainty. Exactly. And similarly yeah. to you was at that shift in my prior relationship. And so the volume turned way up on security. I was like, holy shit, like this, mm -hmm. this thing that I've known for the last four years of my life is about 
to come to an end and I'm scared. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was when I applied for the job at the nonprofit with you. Right. Yeah. And so that's a little bit of our background in like where we met, where we were at when we met each other. But to take it back even further on the show, we talk a lot about how the way we exist in the world today is so reflective of what we witnessed growing up. So we want to tell you guys a little bit about what we saw in our families mm -hmm. and I'll let you start with that. What did you witness okay. with granny and papa uh, growing up as far as work, as far as living situation? Right. Cause it's all about lifestyle and how you make, make life work. Right. Um, and for, for the largest part of my childhood, um, my dad was working that steady job with overtime when he could get it just, you know, putting in hours, and then he, he built the house we lived in for most of my elementary school on the weekends, mm. uh, paycheck to paycheck. Right. So a lot of that kind of, of work from him, and my mom was at home primarily, taking taking care of the home and taking care of the kids and doing that part, so a real collaboration there. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the day-to-day -day that I witnessed. Uh, also, I was aware of more more of the younger history, like when when I was born, and sort of around that time in my life. Although I don't remember it, but I I know the stories of it, and that was a much more uh, free nomadic lifestyle with a Volkswagen bus and <laughs> traveling to bluegrass festivals and <laughs> you know playing playing music for tips yeah exactly. for gas money that kind of existence right so and no high is not short for anything like people ask all the time if your name's short and i'm like no his parents were just hippies i was born at high noon <laughs> yeah so he's born at high noon they yeah. just knew that was my name right exactly yeah. so yeah that kind of free lifestyle i you know was born in a log cabin at 8,000 feet in the mountains, no power, no running water. Mm -hmm. And uh, th that was the lifestyle that they were were living at that time, just totally doing life on their own, right. on their own terms. And not really connected to <clears throat> even their immediate family so much. They were just really... So out there on their own. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, so both interesting. Both of them just... And then was Papa always working like for the man? Did he always have work like that? Because I felt like they did some creative work together as far as like markets for a while. Or? They So he didn't always work for, for someone. I think off and on he did, even even those younger years of traveling and right. that existence. But later on, uh, he did always have a full-time job uh, and they would do some, they would do creative work and do markets Right. Uh, on the side so like after after he built the the house and his, the weekends kind of opened up a little bit they they dove into doing um kind of southwestern art at some at shows and festivals around right so that was that was something that was always a side project yeah for for uh that for us at that time right and with the house that he was building wasn't that kind of like their first investment or way to it get was. ahead because it definitely was yeah okay yeah they were they were both you know no credit no 
they were staying under the radar in that <laughs> in that home in yeah. the mountains where I was born, uh, so much so that uh, I didn't have a birth certificate. I was born at home, and they were just totally kind of avoiding <laughs> culture right. uh, it, and the norms of the time. Uh-huh. So they didn't have they didn't have credit history or any of that kind of thing. Right. Um, so th- big reason why that was paycheck to paycheck because it was a, a affordable piece of property. Yeah. Um, that they were able to get from a loan through my grandparents, I believe. Oh, okay. So yeah, some some help there, right. and then building the home a little bit at a time. Yeah, I see. As a speculation, as an investment, yeah, know, to, to make make an attempt to actually get a, fo- a financial right foothold in security. And it's so interesting because I see that how that has showed up in you today. I mean, even our we have a fifty nine fifty nine airstream, it is. yeah, that we renovated together, and that was like such an investment. Like we have like a similar. Mm-hmm a similar way of doing things in that sense of like not wanting to go into massive debt because freedom is both of our number one value right. in life. And yeah. So get the, get the fixer upper yeah. airstream and put some sweat equity into it. Exactly. It, you make it beautiful and your own Yeah, and you can do it at your own pace. Right. And that's a resourcefulness that is a huge value that your dad Definitely. showed you. Yeah. And absolutely. I think it's, Honestly, resourcefulness is probably one of the number one characteristics of someone living a creative life because you do mm-hmm. have to be resourceful as fuck for <laughs> lots really of situations. Do. Yeah. You know, right. it's crazy. Um, I guess like with my upbringing, some of the things that I witnessed because if and again, I'm, I'm trying to talk to you as if this is your first time listening to the show, but we really have gone deep into kind of like my childhood upbringing, some of highs like in past episodes. So like episode three, you'll hear about my upbringing with my grandparents kind of being my surrogate parents. So mm-hmm. if you get confused, it really is good to go back and listen to the episodes leading up. Um, but my, my, my parents split because my dad... I uh, had an aneurysm when I was a little girl. And so half the time I'm with my mom who is working at the grocery store and like really working paycheck to paycheck. She was a young mom and like kind of like that story of young mom. No, no time for mm. a creative life. Mm-hmm. No time for creative expression. She's like, I got to feed my girls. And so I witnessed that um, for my mom just working jobs she wasn't excited about. But like that's just what you do, you know? Mm -hmm. And then on the other end where I was spending my other half of my time with my grandparents who were my dad's caretakers, both of my grandparents are artists (laughs) and I did witness a pretty non-conventional lifestyle. Um, There is like my grandpa who's an architect and a painter and my grandma who's an illustrator and she was like doing courtroom drawings and then my grandpa would have little side jobs of um, like helping this with some city planning and architecture and so it was like very scattered out um, and like portals, portals for income. Like there was lots of different opportunities to make money and I witnessed that with them. Which is interesting because that's something that has played out for us hugely yeah yeah like the resourcefulness yeah on one side and then the that that idea of portals and yeah precisely and 
Um, but then there's also been this thing that I've really had to debunk um, personally is this idea that if you are an artist, you are going to be poor. And this is still something I come up against today because it's so ingrained in my psyche. And even though my grandparents, like I'll, I'll link a, sh- uh, I'll link a picture to the home they built that they still live in. I've, I grew up in this home. It's magnificent. They literally built it themselves after their last house caught fire. Mm-hmm. And I, they did receive a lot of like inheritance from family and that is something I have not received. So there's like kind of this myth that too. It's like, oh, you can do really well as an artist yeah. as long as your family gives you money, you know? So it's been like kind of coming at both ends, like having to debunk some of these stories that are so ingrained in my subconscious. And and I think even on a, on a larger scale, the, that idea of the starving artist is... Uh, that's just kind of a social expectation. It totally is. And it's ridiculous mm-hmm. because yeah. right. for the last year, I'll give us, I mean, we've had our business for, I guess, two and a half years, almost three now, Honeysuckle and Mud. I mean, it's changed from Wood Intimation, Honeysuckle and Mud, but we have about a year where we have that proof of concept that we can live a creative life and make money doing so. And that is from our art, like from our actual tangible pieces of wood products, um, your concrete wood tables, um, just things that we've actually made with our hands. Right. And groups we've held. Yeah. And those kind of gatherings yeah like yeah we, for sure our retreat and workshops it's just like yeah it's like it's proving that oh my gosh we can make a living off of this creative life which which kind of um brings up one of the things i've been debunking um and that is the story that art is something you can do on the weekend mm, on the side that right. that creative part of my my parents and my childhood is it was always there but it was always the side project and it was not something you relied on it was something you subsidized with a a with a 40 hour a week job right absolutely and it's been so interesting to watch you lean into that because again we'll link a ton of pictures just of the little things that will come up during this conversation in the show notes you guys but hi is an amazing artist and really tapping into his creative essence right now and it's so cool to watch with your tables mm, and your designs you. and thank he you. he built our homes that we live in our our the montana retreat in montana um the donkey shed the house that we live in here <laughs> and our airstream i mean even though i was a huge part of the design process you are an artist you created that it's yeah. insane it's so cool. <laughs> um, it it is really um, it it is really great to step back and and look at all of those things and and just recognize what we have done. Yeah, exactly. We've done a lot. Um, we're gonna give a little bit of a picture, just kind of paint the picture for you guys of what our creative life looks like right now today, and then we're gonna break down just some of the steps we had to take to get to where we are now so our creative life looks like 
really splitting our time between two states that are near and dear to our hearts. So Montana and Oregon. We are primarily in Oregon, but we are back in Montana just about every month up at our Montana retreat house. Mm -hmm. And we have this mobile business through, you know, the workshops that we lead teaching people to carve spoons. Um, Kind of this year leaning more into this teaching people how to live their most creative life. We'll be offering some workshops this year around that. And also just being able to yeah, I just take our work on the road with us. And we've been able to do that now. And it's so amazing. Right. We're getting better at it. Yeah. It's, that, that's been a learning curve, you know. It, being, it has been. Being in uh, two different states and having an order come through for something that, oh, we didn't think of. And that's that's actually in a different state. Right. Because around. you guys, we started Honeysuckle and Mud as a business called Wood Intimations. And this is where creative living is so interesting in retrospect, (laughs) because looking back, I see how important it was that I just followed every curiosity and intrigue that I had. It began with me witnessing someone in my life carving spoons. I saw this human that I really looked up to carving spoons, and I was just so drawn to the art of that. And so I began teaching myself how to do that on the front porch of our house in Montana. Mm -hmm. This is after I closed my yoga studio. This is like when I was honestly in such a low rock bottom place in my life because I felt so creatively stunted and depressed. (laughs) I was just in a really, really bad place. Yeah. And you weren't, you weren't carving for any kind of, um, creative business. You're just carving to To learn something new. Learn. Yeah, exactly. And to practice a craft. Exactly. And just to be making things with my hands again, because I, I did grow up doing art, but I just kind of got away from that. And so I began carving spoons. And then I always joke, it's the Capricorn in me. I'm like, how the hell can I monetize this? And so I began selling my spoons on Etsy. And I started to get um, gain some recognition through that, through like our Instagram page at Honeysuckle and Mud. And I got asked to be on a podcast to talk about wood carving. And Mm -hmm. it just like slowly started to open up to Mm -hmm. maybe this is something. I mean, I know I can't make a living off of spoons because my hands will literally fall off. It's a lot to carve spoons all day. And it's not the only thing I want to do because I'm a multifaceted person. I like a million things right but I think it's so cool to know that this little craft that I was drawn to really was the catalyst for this creative life in so many ways yeah and and I think uh, an an opening into kind of stepping into your own art yes Um, because that's something you've talked about before and maybe you want to just go into that a little bit because you just mentioned uh, growing up creating things and being artistic and expressing yourself that way. Right. Um, But, but it wasn't always something you were fully owning. Yeah, that's true. And it was like when you grow up in a family of artists who are like phenomenal artists and well-known for the art that they make, it can feel really, I felt really insecure about anything that I would produce as far as art goes. And so I just never felt like I had my thing and that was hard for me, you know, and when all my other family members are artists too, really on that side, they'd always have their thing like, you know, Sophie with her jewelry and her drawing. Like it was just like everyone had their thing 
And for me, I, it just was lacking. Yeah, and no one had spoons. And no one had spoons. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was a huge part of it. It was, even if it was on a subconscious level, like I was just wanting something that was my own and something different to bring to the table. Be like, oh, look what I do. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think it has it has really opened up uh, the way you're able to show up as mm-hmm. an artist. Yeah. Because that, that's been a title. Right. That was hard for you to accept. Yeah. It's awkward. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you know, like, I'm like, I'm an, I don't know. I still have a hard time saying it, but I am. Right. I am it, an artist. You're an artist. It's fucking weird to say. It is it, weird to say. It's really, really weird to say. Um, so basically started carving spoons, started monetizing that, and then began doing markets. So I got to a point where I was having a hard time keeping up with my orders and we started a website and then I was like, Hey, can you help me? Which you guys, that was really hard for me to do because it was almost like, I, I, I'm such a doer and it felt like, why can't I just like do this myself? I don't know. There was a part, it was hard for me to like bring you on and bring you into that world. Yeah. And also the creative control of what the piece looked like in the end. Yeah. I, at first, I remember you you kind of put your toe into my help by um, having me cut out just really rough parts. Yeah. Like just maybe get it from a big piece to a small piece. Yeah. Before we had the bandsaw and we were yeah. having to actually like chisel out the whole shape mm-hmm. of the spoon. We'll show you guys some process pictures because those are pretty fun yeah. to see as well. But yeah, you're right. I would have you just like do that for me so then I could do all of the detail work. Right. The finish. Yeah, because I wanted it to look like me. That makes so much sense. Like, yep. it's obvious why that was so hard for me. But then slowly over time, we just both started making our own pieces. You mm-hmm. learned how to carve spoons, and then we just started to grow our offerings. Um, so then I got to this place of really itching to get back to Oregon. And Hi has two kids, my stepkids, Karen and Kiana, that live in Montana. And I I was still working the 40-hour-a-week job at the nonprofit right and and still relying on that stability to pay our mortgage yeah yeah because that's a huge part of this you guys i oh my god i have to back the fuck up it's so (laughs) hard because so much has like happened it's hard to like track it but okay so my investment i made an investment and i bought my first airstream this is when, this was like right at the beginning of mine and High's relationship and I needed to get the fuck out of Montana. I was like, this place is ruining my life. I need to like be close to family again and friends. So I packed up, I moved. The first six months mm-hmm. of our relationship was long distance. I purchased an Airstream from my artist grandparents. So yeah. I bought this little 17 foot vintage Airstream. This is where like my obsession with Airstreams began. Long story short... I was back here for the six months. Hi begged me to come back. And I was like, fine. (laughs) And (laughs) I was like, don't make me regret this. Yeah. But it was really hard for me, you guys. It was hard to move back to a place that I still felt so like traumatized by just from some experiences I had. And so we moved back and I sold the Airstream and almost doubled like my, what I bought the Airstream for. And so I was able to basically pay the loan off from my grandparents Mm because they were doing like they were holding yeah i was doing an owner carry like an owner carry for the airstream i'd pay them like 500 a month for it so it was like my rent 
basically. Mm -hmm. That's how I looked at it. And then I was able to pay the loan off. And then with the extra money, that is what I was able to live off of and just pay my bills when I moved back to Montana. So Mm -hmm. I had this chunk of money. Hi was working. So he was paying our mortgage there and all of our like house bills. And so it wasn't like I just started this business and I was just like instantly rolling in the dough. It was like, no, I should like print out some of my my sheets from freaking Etsy back two and a half, three years, probably three years ago now. And it's like, no, I'd be making like 50 bucks a week sometimes, you know, it started so slow. It was like just dripping mm-hmm. little, little bursts. But at that time, it was big to me because I'd never sold anything that I'd made before. Yeah. And in retrospect, and now I'm really sinking into this now today, which is good. I'm glad I feel this now. But when you are beginning your creative life, it is so important to be with the process and to not try to rush forward. I mean, as much as you want to be making a shit ton of money, because I swear to God, most of us do. Most of us want to be making good money so we can be comfortable and have security. But be with the process because it's such a beautiful thing to look back at. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, yeah. I was making like 50 bucks a week or whatever. And now look like we're doing so we're making so much more. And it's just, yeah, it's good to be with that. Right. And we would have never stuck with making spoons if we wanted to jump right to um, making a bunch of money. Yeah. I w- that just wouldn't have, we would have passed on the wood carving. Right. Be- just because the, just the balance of time and energy. Yeah. And, manual labor. I mean, you're supplies. like. Yeah. It just wouldn't, it doesn't pencil out. The economics don't work. It does not. So yeah, you see people and maybe there's a spoon carver out there that charges like $7,000 a spoon and they're just, I, no, they don't exist. <laughs> so that person does not exist. Yeah. So the importance of sticking with that process was just that it was all about the expression and the process and it yeah. has grown into so much more than right than that. Yeah, and the spoon is almost now in our business a se- a segue or a gateway into creative living. So, you know, the spoons that we do sell in stores, like even for instance, this is a great example. We got one of our retreat women through one of the spoons she bought of ours up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Remember? That's yeah. like how we met her right. and right. So it's, yeah, it's, it started as a spoon, but it just, it has led to so much and it's been really magical. Um, This kind of goes to like, okay, you were working your job, working your full-time job. I was making spoons and we were getting to this place of opening our mind to the idea of living in Oregon in some capacity. We were also, I think it's worth mentioning that at that time when you started making spoons, um, and you were had the money from the airstream that you were living on yeah that wasn't that wasn't penciling out and you did end up taking an hourly job i did yeah for like three months and it was the worst three months of my fucking life (laughs) you hated it. i hated it i was working oh my i've talked about it go back to the episode on creative living that hi and i did and you'll hear about that job but it was like i did what i had to do it was like once the money was draining that mm-hmm. need that again that volume of security went back up. up it does yeah. and it was like after leaving that job that was when i knew i wasn't gonna 
do it again for yeah. the most part even though i kind of like dabbled with it even moving back to oregon i was like mm-hmm. oh i could go work at that yoga studio or like you know the management job i was applying for and yeah well and yeah right yeah right. so true and we we share this with you guys because we want you to know we get it so if you're in this job right now that you are not liking but it is supporting you and it is giving you security so you don't lose your goddamn mind (laughs) we get it yeah hold on to your mind yeah hold on to your mind and just slowly you can slowly start integrating more creative work whether you're learning how to weave or you're learning how to carve a spoon or you're learning something you can start lean into that curiosity lean into the things that you're drawn to and start to bring that into your life today you don't have to quit your job and start a project like hang on to the job for now yeah yeah totally the the i guess the point of of all of what we're talking about is trying to illustrate some of that middle ground where it's not just the extremes of 40 hours a week plus or total freedom and uh, this bohemian yeah existence lifestyle yeah. yeah there's there's so much to there's so much to travel through yes on the along the way yeah one of our first tips of and this is just because this was our first like kind of brick wall that we ran into when we were looking into potentially moving back to Oregon part-time is the, our mortgage. The mortgage. The mortgage. The mortgage. Yeah, yeah that's a big one. It's a big it's one. Huge. And um, luckily, I mean, because we live in such a rural community out there, like our, I, I think that has something to do with it. And our loan isn't massive, but we don't have a huge mortgage. But when I wasn't making hardly any money at the time and you weren't making, I mean, you were working for a nonprofit, so you weren't making a ton of money either. Right. Yeah, I always joked with them when I was working there that, when they told me it was a nonprofit, I thought it meant they weren't making any money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but there yeah, are no one makes money at a nonprofit. Well, and that's not true. <laughs> I mean, you can be at certain roles in a nonprofit and be making more money. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't want to say that. I don't want to be like, you're, yeah, but you probably don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there is a ceiling to how much you there's can There's a make. ceiling. Yeah. I guess that's the, that's the truth. Yeah. There is, is the ceiling. The ceiling. And we don't want a ceiling because <laughs> we want to be really, really comfortable. Um, so we run into the brick wall of mortgage and we're like, well, what, how can we make it so this is paying for itself? Like, what can we do? And this is where the resourcefulness comes in. What can we do to lessen the blow of this bill? Right. Because you get to a point where the mortgage is the, it's the biggest obligation every month. There's this big obligation to send a check to the mortgage company. Right. And you know that that biweekly paycheck will meet that obligation. You will also have no idea what may happen without that biweekly paycheck. Right. So there's there's an impasse. Yeah. Right there. Absolutely. So what we did is... We started looking for our next Airstream because we knew we wanted to get another one. We wanted to do another renovation. So what we did is we found we found the one that we wanted. It was $5,500 in Helena. We And I sh- we share this before we get into the mortgage thing because it is connected. So we buy this Airstream. We begin renovating it. And 
we decided we were going to put our house up on Airbnb to rent out for the summer of 2017. I think it was our first year renting the house. And 2018? Might have been 18. I think it was 18. Yeah, because we're in, yeah, it was just two years ago. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, 20, 2018. And so we literally parked our Airstream, our unfinished, no bed, <laughs> no fucking kitchen, no running, no plumbing on our parents, pro- like the parents' side of the property. So we share um, 60 acres? 48. Oh, 48. We're on 48 acres in Northwest Montana. It's family property. We're on one side of the creek. Our parents are on the other. Hi, parents. And we parked on their side. We got, we worked our tits off to get the house so great. So Mm -hmm. ready. I mean, it took a long time to get it all done and clear out personal belongings. And it was really a huge shedding of like, of your past life, basically. Like we had so much to clean and clear and Mm -hmm have this house truly reflect us in our hearts. And so we lived that entire summer in an unfinished Airstream. So we're renovating it. High's still working contracting. I'm carving spoons. We're living out of this Airstream. Our house rents pretty much all summer. Right. Because we thought, well, we can just, we can just live in the Airstream sort of when the house is rented and kind of bounce back and forth. (laughs) And there was not so much back (laughs) (laughs) we lived in the airstream the whole summer which is the hugest blessing even though it was like the hardest summer because it was was just really hard it was uncomfortable we were dirty like there was just we would take we would bathe in the creek every day which Mm. again looking back that's fucking cozy but yeah it sounds really nice in retrospect it was the best summer of my life no but it was really hard and it was this we got married that summer so all of that was leading up to our wedding we got or we got married in september so anyway i uh, yeah we had the house book we had a woman rent it for a whole month to write her book remember yeah and then the rest of the summer was booked and so that was the proof of concept we needed to know that the house could not only pay for itself but it could begin to go back into savings or it could cover our other bills like it just exceeded what we thought it could do in the summer in the summer that's that's the caveat there is that it could pay for itself easily in the summer yeah which in northwest montana is short right so we did we did still have that hurdle to overcome yeah um trying to keep that supplement that income income over the summer yeah to hold through the winter right yeah so once we figured that out we figured out that okay we know that our summers are taken care of and a little bit more i mean honestly it paid for our wedding like that's right isn't that incredible yeah it is and um we had a very (laughs) <laughs> we had a very kind of bohemian <laughs> like affordable it was an affordable wedding but that's still amazing to say like definitely what, i yeah. love that um so after that happened the airstream is renovated it was three months after our wedding and i was like i gotta get to oregon i feel it and i told hi before we got married i said i cannot marry you Unless I know that Oregon is going to be a part of my life because, you know, I witnessed my mom like marry into situations, assuming things would shift and it didn't, you know. So that Mm. was kind of my upbringing of seeing that. And I was like, I need to know that I can I can have this part of my heart fulfilled because I will not be happy. I need 
community. I need connection. I need friendship. And unfortunately, the amount of that that I require does not exist in rural Northwest Montana. That is my place for solitude and time with you and connection in that way. Mm -hmm. But I needed Oregon. So three months after our wedding, I started to call in or no, I was already starting to call in a space in Oregon for us to park our Airstream. Mm -hmm. And um, we found a place in the city. It was really sweet. Yeah, we had it all lined up. We had it all lined up. We were going to pay her, uh, I think, 500 dollars a month it was on woodstock in portland we're gonna pay her 500 bucks a month to park there and we'd be hooked up to electric and water but there was there were still some things that we needed to figure out like Like where where am i gonna poop (laughs) yeah exactly a a holding tank um and then i have this is one of my favorite stories i tell so we are driving high we have the airstream in tow this is on New Year's Eve of last year, you guys. So we haven't even been in... We just met our year anniversary here in Oregon. We've only mm-hmm. been here a year. We have the Subaru and then the truck towing the Airstream. Right, because we were we were creating our Oregon home. We, were like, crea- we yeah. knew that when we were renovating it. We're yeah. like, this is going to be our home that we can have in Oregon. Exactly. And like at that point, it was like, we'll just go whenever we want. Like We can pop in... For a weekend just to give me a yoga class like give me some connection give yeah. me you know yeah. fill my cup and mm-hmm. fill your cup because you started to really fall in love with the state um when we got together and started spending time on the coast yeah yeah for sure and so as we're driving over we were going to camp out on the columbia river gorge at this spot I started to go into like a full-blown panic attack. Like I right. was anxious. And I thought it was just the wind because it was on the gorge. <laughs> it was so windy that night. You remember? Yeah. Yeah. It was so it was windy. So windy. <laughs> you thought my panic attack was the wind. I thought it was related, you know. Oh, thought, you like, thought I was a anxiety fr- oh. was just sort of that. I don't know if, yeah. Because when, yeah. when you spend time in that intense wind. It, it can be kind of scary. It's 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 an odd sensation. It is. Of, it's you're like the Wizard like, of Oz. It's almost like claustrophobic. Yeah, you're right. No, that was a fucking windy night. It was a super mm-hmm. weird night. But really, what was going on in my heart was I was like, what the hell am I doing? I cannot go from middle of nowhere and northwest montana to living in the city i don't even want to live in the city why am i doing this what the fuck am i doing (laughs) i was like that's and i and i didn't even wake you up during the night it was the next morning where i looked like a monster because i hadn't slept because i was anxious all night and i said to you i said i feel like we're making a mistake yeah you said you you did say i don't want to live in the city and you and you're like uh, like uh, what uh, are we doing But this is where it gets crazy, you guys. And this is where I don't care who tells me differently. The universe is real and we are supported entirely. I knew in my heart, I cannot live in the city. It hit me like a ton of bricks yet again. And the second I made that decision. So we decided we were going to go look at the place anyways. Because I think I kind of insisted i'm like yeah well, we're here yeah you're like we'll go you're like let's go let's just go look at it and in my mind i'm like we're not gonna fucking stay there but sure <laughs> <laughs> my voice changed and then we went <laughs> i started smoking cigarettes <laughs> and we were on our way to portland 
I'm sorry. But so anyway, we go check it out. And as we are driving there, a message on Facebook pops up like a fucking fairy tale from this woman. Don't even know who she is. And it was in response to a post that I had done on this group called Airstream Addicts. If you have an Airstream or you want one, get on it. It's on Facebook. I had done a post a month prior saying, hey, I'm looking for a long-term spot. My husband and I are looking for a long-term spot for our Airstream. This is the size of it. La, la, la. In response to this, she says, hey, I have some friends. I imagine this is what she sounds like. I didn't actually right. talk yeah, to her. Yeah, she actually just wrote it. it was she just, just wrote it, <laughs> but I'll just pretend yeah. to be Lana. Um, Hi, I have some friends um, up near Mount Hood, which you guys, that's where I grew up. Um, they have some property. Do you know a town called Boring? And I'm like, yes, bitch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, yes, I know exactly where that is. That is right next to the town I grew up in. She's like, would you like their number? And I'm like, yes, please. Yes, please. So we're still driving to Natalie's in Portland to check out the Airstream potential not happening Airstream spot. And I'm losing my mind. I'm like, hi, this is crazy. It's out in the country. It's they live on property. I'm going to call them. So we look at Natalie's spot and I'm like, Mm -hmm. fuck this. It can't happen. We looked at it for like two seconds and just kind of parked in front of it sorry that was our 500 pound dog that just flopped under our legs um yeah we were like we can't you saw it you saw yeah how we could not live there right right okay i saw how yeah it was gonna take it was gonna take some, some definite work, work yeah some maneuvering to try to get into the backyard which it's right that's it's not something you can just do pull into the backyard yeah you know, and it, you guys it was if not possible we should do an episode on airstream living too because it is the least glamorous thing but it is also super fun and amazing but yeah it's not easy it's not easy to tow it it's not easy to park it like there are things that are tricky about mm-hmm. setting it up like you're setting up a house like there are things you have to do yeah so we're there i'm like fuck this i don't want to live here i call the people with the property and they say hey or i'm like hi my name's danny i we literally just rolled into oregon like five minutes ago and this woman gave me your number and the woman i talked to amy uh she was like come on out we're about to go to the grocery store but we'll be home in 10 you know it was just like so seamless out of the blue out of the blue weird uh they send us um their address we hit the road. The drive out was just beautiful. It was like the back roads from Port. So we left the yeah. car in Portland and together we drove up Airstream in tow. Um, Cause something, I just knew something really good was about to happen. And I asked her on the phone too. I was like, are you guys okay with like 500 pound dogs? <laughs> we have a giant dog. We have a humongous chocolate lab. Yeah. And she's like, we love dogs. We've got three big ones. We have three humongous dogs. And so, you guys, we are driving out. My heart's palpitating, but not in like an anxious way, like in a, this is correct. Exciting. And and there was sunshine on Mount Hood. It was beautiful views. So beautiful. We pull up to the most beautiful home on six acres with we see cedar trees off in the distance. We, I mean, it's, we're, it's surrounded by trees. We're greeted by this amazing family. And 
we are having a conversation with them. We're like kind of letting it was weird. I kept feeling like I need to like really explain myself. This is so weird that we're here. We I'm just, just show up with we, an airstream. We just we're show like, up. Hi, nice to meet and you. And they're like, you guys can park here. And we're like, what do you mean? Like where? Where? They're like, you can park anywhere well, yeah yeah exactly Literally, and they were they're show- like well here's a spot here's a spigot in an outlet yeah and here's a spot because there were all these little like barns and like out yeah outbuildings and like all like a pole barn all of these things and i then i'm like okay these guys are mass fucking murderers they are too nice yeah. what is going on and they take it and then we're like and we're woodworkers and they're like oh we have a wood shop they take us over. Right. My dad carves spoons. My dad carves spoons. And my eyes are like five times as big as they are, which if you've ever seen my eyes, they're already big. So imagine that. It was frightening. And we find the most beautiful spot to park underneath the cedar trees. Mm-hmm. We are still here to this day. But and we'll go back. We're This is going to be a longer episode, I can tell, because there's just a lot to tell you about. And we tell you this to show you how important it is to listen to your gut and follow your curiosity and pay attention to the synchronicities that are happening in your life because they are they're there to help you live that creative life that's what's happening yeah and the creative life like everything cannot just be a destination that you think i'm gonna get there no and your creative life is going to be multifaceted that is what Mm -hmm. a creative life is so we get here we park um, I was leading a yoga retreat th- in three days. So we were getting me set up because <laughs> I had to go back to Montana. He was still working his job at that point a little bit, right? Were you carpentry. still doing? Oh, you were doing carpentry at that time. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you sure? In December? No, I guess we, we, yeah, we were not working in December. No. But it was You were doing a little bit of work. So I, I was we was probably doing a little bit more at families and Yeah, you were doing a little yeah. bit like kind of you were kind of like consulting for them, is that the right word? I was going I was doing just less. Okay. I was doing a, just a fewer yeah. hours. Okay. You were doing that. Popping in. And we didn't have it set up with our arrangement with the kids because things have adjusted as far right. as our time spent with them. So instead of this drastic like bye, we were kind of easing into the new arrangement so that's what was happening i I was still there you were still there yeah Yeah. you were there a lot and i was here by myself and kind of fast forward just so you guys have a picture of our living situation right now we knew that we needed a bigger house by summertime because the kids were going to be in oregon with us for their first full oregon summer And we were talking to Chip and Amy, the landowners here, our landlords, I guess you could call them. And yeah, totally, our landlords. Mm -hmm. And um, we're like, so we're going to start looking for a house, maybe at the coast. We just didn't know. We didn't really care. We're just like, we need a bigger home. And right next to where the Airstream is parked, there was this old alpaca shed, basically. Like this was an alpaca farm when they bought it. Mm -hmm. And they no longer have alpacas, unfortunately. That would be hilarious and creepy and really fucking creepy and they're kind of mean but i i still think they're really funny looking and um they're like well oh wait no they were gonna buy us a yurt okay yeah they said well if we bought a yurt yeah would you put it up yeah and then the kids could have that yeah so they're like if we bought a yurt because we've been wanting this is chip and amy they're like we've been wanting to create another 
portal for income, you know, having a rental of some sort or something. And so they're like, if we bought this yurt, could we do trade and you live in it to build it up? Yeah, because they they had come to find out they'd always wanted to have like various little dwellings and outbuildings that people could stay in and they could share their space and people could come and go and they could have a little income that way and yeah. also that expanded community mm-hmm. um which works perfect yeah exactly so kind of long story short that fell through they were gonna buy this year it didn't happen um and one day hi and I, I i think we had been in portland that day and then came home and it was just a beautiful day it was like sunny and we were right. looking at this alpaca shed and we're like, like in a whole new way it like it, it was like sparkling it was like from the movie twilight you're like what's over there and <laughs> we're like why don't we fucking turn this into a house this is like a yurt size this is basically like a yurt so chip we we called chip over we're like chip come here um and i love him so much cuz he's very enthusiastic like i am Yes, and he's the en- enthusiast. He has to be. Has yeah, to be. in Enneagram, he has to be the enthusiast. But he comes over and I'm like, picture this. And I'm painting the whole picture. And he's like, let's get everything out of there now. Because there was bales of hay. There was like some old rubber totes. Oh, and yeah. It was a shed. It was I a mean, shed, it was you guys. Full of, like shed stuff. Yeah. And we will share photos of all of this because it's it's just so i'm so inspired by this yeah. even though it's ours I'm I, w- like just... I wish we had more pictures of the inside when it was a shed we and... do do we yeah we do way back on our honeysuckle and mud page and i'll share them That's um great. it's so crazy and so chip and hi and i are in here clearing everything out he's like could you sell this you think and it was like all these rubber mats from like the alpacas standing on yeah, them from their stalls from their stalls and i was like sure I posted them on Craigslist. They come instantly. It was just so seamless. And then I'm on the roof cleaning the roof off. We just like tore this place apart. That same day, we are spray painting the ground to figure out the layout. Yeah, Chip ran and got spray paint and starts putting the floor plan on the gravel. We figure out a budget. We figure out a design. And we build our fucking house here on the property. We build our house and we do. We did trade labor. Like we worked for two months, basically maybe a little more to build this house in time for the kids to get here. And we are living here rent free for a year. It's not rent free. I mean, it's trade labor, but we haven't paid a dime to live here in this house. That paid for our, that paid for a year, you guys. So those of you who have seen this, like our, our house is gorgeous because we fucking built it just how we want it for the most part. Um, but we haven't been paying for it. We, that's part of that creative living. It's being resourceful. If you have skills to build or do any type of trade, you don't have to be mm-hmm. a contractor, but some kind of trade, that's a great way to start to live a more creative life. And yeah. so not only do we have like rent paid through, I think June or July, something like that. Um, last summer we rented out our Airstream. Yeah. So then we had this new portal home that we could move yeah. into and it opened up the Airstream yeah. just in the same way that, uh, moving into the Airstream opened up the Montana house. Exactly. And we're like, okay, so we, we have the proof of concept of the Montana retreat taking care of itself. Mm-hmm. Let's have the cozy roller support us. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so for all last summer, I mean, really, we were so focused on just spending time with the kids and getting them comfy here in Oregon that we really didn't work at all as far as like woodworking. We really took a step back from that. I mean, I did my workshops. I was leading like yoga mm-hmm. workshops every month, um, which is a, a, a nice portal of income for us. But we relied and lived off of our income from both of our properties. So we had the cozy roller, which was filled all summer and booked so well and has continued to be booked through this winter. Like we're not every day, but every weekend. And we, Mm -hmm. I mean, midweek we get random midweekers. Like we're about probably 40% capacity, like in the winter months and fall was great. Mm -hmm. So That's kind of our layout as far as like our home situations right now. And we're trying to just be really kind of still and present with where we are. But you, because we had this labor trade situation, as soon as we were done building the house and once the kids went back to Montana, we were able to pivot our focus on honeysuckle and mud and expand our offerings there. So yeah. because we had the support of the finances coming through the Montana retreat, the cozy roller, we had our first retreat back in the fall, another huge portal, mm-hmm. financial portal for us. Um, we were able to say, okay, we need to dial in our products. We need to get our spoon carving toolkits ready because that we needed to generate more passive income right. because so much of our income requires our presence at this point. Yeah. And... I, I think it would be, I mean, worth mentioning also that uh, that the we have the rentals dialed in pretty well, but there also are those moments when that Montana retreat home is not rented out, and we do yeah. still have to look at how is the mortgage getting paid this month. Right. That uh, that's something that has not gone away because it's right, and I don't know that it those kind of things will ever go away. I think it's something that we just get more comfortable with. Right. Not knowing. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I look at it a little bit differently because I, I know that we have, and that's because I'm coming from more of that like creative background. Like I've worked for myself and I'm used to having bigger chunks of money coming in at a time and having mm -hmm. to use that money to supplement like months where business is slower so spreading that money out whereas like if you don't see like an amount coming in like this month you're like how's it getting paid i'm like we have a pile of money right there like well we'll pay it with the money that we have (laughs) yeah exactly so that's i've kind of just connected those dots that Mm -hmm. that does make sense how we see that a bit differently and I'm just used to having to kind of like dip hands into savings and then put money back and it's just like always kind of been this this flow this flow and dance and I just I like that I like yeah yeah and that's that definitely comes I mean that's the essence of balancing those values yeah um whether that security cranks up and that's a higher value and or that freedom need cranks up and that's a higher value yeah i think people come at it from all different places and i i just i think having just that awareness that it's not that we can crank up both of those and live in a really secure dependable free way there's a balance to it yeah i think that's the question of 
how do you do what you do, really, really, the answer relies heavily on recognizing that we just kind of float in that balance Mm -hmm. and let that unknown be okay. Yeah. Uh, I think just settling into where we're ready and willing to do whatever we have to do to continue living this lifestyle. So there's, there's all kinds of things we can do to cover obligations, to take care of ourselves. Mm. It's, it's getting to a place where it's, it just feels really comfortable and safe Yeah. to, to know that, uh, something will happen. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll make something happen. And don't you think even though there are moments where we're, we get anxious or we're like, what's, what's going to happen? It's like part of the fun of living a creative life is not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? And I think that's where people begin to get really unhappy in their lives is when they're working these jobs where it's just the same thing every day day and they just kind of know yeah they know exactly what's going to happen granted they know the social interactions that are going to happen throughout their day yeah and it's like granted there is that 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 taking the pressure off and you just know there's like some comfort in knowing but there's also a lot of like sadness (laughs) in knowing and that's been my that's been my experience you know when I was kind of witnessing my mom like just working jobs that you got to work to like pay the bills like I definitely did that for a while when I was in my early 20s and you know I spent the better half of my 20s bartending which I actually miss sometimes because it was so fun (laughs) no but I won't I don't think I'll go back to that but um it's when I realized that it's like it's in the knowing of what is happening every day that devastates me (laughs) even though it also the not knowing can bring me more anxiety. It's definitely what I would trade. I would, I would trade that any day because it's right. I like not knowing. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of beauty there, and you know, I think when you get really clear on what your values are, get so crystal clear. I um I have an episode. I never remember my episode numbers, so you just have to kind of go scroll back. Luckily, we don't have. It's a treasure hunt. It's a treasure hunt. But um, I have an episode around defining your values, which I'll link in the show notes. And that was so helpful in curating this creative life that we have today. Mm -hmm. Um, So be sure to listen to that. I did write out a list about what our financial portals are, because I felt like that would be really helpful for people to hear. Um, Yeah, because it's I mean, there's a bunch. You have to write out a list because. Um, yeah, yeah, there's just different there's so ones much. and little ones here and there. And yeah, and, yeah so, um, that. and I think it's also, it's, it's taking the pressure off when you can open multiple sources of income streams, you are taking the pressure off, which allows for more creativity to flow because mm-hmm. my experience when I've relied solely on like just just the Airstream renting out or just my work, our spoon carving workshop selling that kind of like desperate energy is really constricting and it doesn't allow like things to flow. And yeah, Yeah, there's that. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a common thing with when people try to turn something they love into something that is 
their their job yeah um and that's all they do is they love fly fishing so they start guiding and then they're guiding fly fishing every day and they learn to kind of hate it a little bit yeah and it it really spoils something that was so great right i know it's it's crazy um so these are all of our financial income streams. I'm sure I missed some. So if you think of some while I'm reading these, will you let me know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have the Montana Retreat House, one, the Cozy Roller Airstream, spoon carving workshops, woodworking products that are funneled through our website, Etsy, retail and wholesale sales yeah, so, that we make. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. Our products. Yeah. Um, our spoon carving toolkits, which are turning into more of a passive income stream that kind of goes with products, but, yeah, it does, um, but definitely a kind of a growth from products. Yeah. Um, my yoga and wellness workshops. So the stuff I do with Jess or Courtney or whoever, uh, retreats. So the mm. retreats that we co-lead together, mm -hmm. those are huge. Um, my weekly yoga classes, yeah. So just those weekly classes, custom woodworking pieces, mm -hmm. and collections. So the tables that you're making, right, yeah. um, those are huge. Uh, highs making, I already mentioned it, but these concrete wood tables that we actually sell for, I mean, good ticket price. Like it's, we sold our last one for $1,000 and the next one is going to be probably 2500 So we, those are kind of those bigger chunks of mm -hmm. money that flow in that are really cushiony and comfy during like harder times. Yeah. Right. And there was that check shows up in December when we were back in Montana and it was an unexpected thing. Like here's, here's some money so we, we can have Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Those kind of moments. It's yeah. not knowing and then just accepting. And being delighted by yeah. the gifts of the universe. Like it does feel like such a gift. And when you're not expecting, you're not relying. And that's like, again, back to having those different streams, you will be so delighted. I mean, I can't tell you how often we're like, oh, we just paid mortgage. And then we get a booking for four nights at the Montana retreat. And it's there's another thousand dollars. And we're like, oh, fuck, there's another mortgage. And it's just like it just is so, so delightful when you're yeah. not relying on one portal. Definitely. And and I feel like we get comfortable with what we have and what we can do, like yeah. the Christmas. Yeah. Like this is what we have and this is what Christmas is going to look like this year. Yeah. And you just kind of get OK with that. Yeah, you and do. Then, and then the gift comes in. Yes. And, and the mortgage, just getting okay with. And yeah. That's, if this doesn't work, we don't have to keep this. Yeah. It's it's okay. Right. You know, we're going to try it, and yeah. I hope it works, and mm. I love the space. And right. if it doesn't work, we don't have to have it. I think you and I have done a really good job at pivoting. And when things are feeling a little too like upstream or forceful, we're like, what would feel better? And being able to just follow those breadcrumbs of what delights us and what excites us. And that has just opened up so many doors I've, yeah. I've seen in the last year, especially. Mm -hmm. It's been so cool. Yeah. Um, so one question I hope you 
listener can just ask yourself, like, how can you begin to take the pressure off of the things that make you feel stuck and less free? So how can you, you know, I mean, maybe you're not in a position to like, maybe you don't own your home and you just have like a rent that you're paying. Could you hold like a little workshop at your house like maybe you're teaching someone how to journal or like uh, like mm-hmm. journaling I don't know what it could be I mean sky's the limit but what's one thing that you're just so innately good at which again I have an episode on that defining your gifts I will link that as well this I mean this podcast is just so here for you to really get back to the essence of who you are and live your most creative authentic truthful life you know I think we have a lot of um, valuable episodes on here if i do say so <laughs> can i say that you can yeah because yeah. it's it's true and like you said the other day it's it has done it has done what you had hoped and yeah you've created this collection of things that that will help people yeah and i'm just so grateful for you guys for being a part of our creative life and we just really want to support you and yours. That's it. It's like life is can be really challenging and we're having to really rewrite our own story, you know, because we live so much from what we witnessed in childhood. There's a lot of work. There's untangling to do, unveiling to do, and we just really want to support you through through mm-hmm. it all. Yeah. Like just all rally together together and just live our live our best lives yeah so yeah to i guess kind of like wrap it up um we would love it if you would go over to the instagram page you should go check oh honeysuckle and mud we should send them over to honeysuckle and mud since that's kind of our creative hub um so yeah at honeysuckle and mud we'll post the episode for today and comment on the picture how are you making strides to live your most creative life? It could be the simple little things. The little things. They, they really do add up. They do. You know, it's the, the freedom in our days. Yes. Is what we keep coming back to. Yeah, totally. So yeah, head over to the episode post. I'll also have it on Danny Bolts. Um, and Honeysuckle and Mud is uh, linked on my Danny Bolts page. But yeah. Also, lastly, lastly, what Hi was just saying is, you know, the other day we went um, skinning. We went skiing up on Mount Hood midweek. And after having just such a cozy day at home and it's like it's these little sweet moments of our day that really make a creative life worth living for us. Even if there's not always the money to like hop on a plane to fucking Bermuda and do whatever, like <laughs> whatever you do there, whatever you do know. in Bermuda. But it's like it's the little things in our days that add up to create the most abundant, juicy life ever. Yeah, I'm so glad to be living a creative life with you. It's the freaking best. It's the best. I love you so much. I love you. And thanks for coming back on the show. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. That was so much fun to record. Don't forget to head over to our page at Honeysuckle and Mud on Instagram and let us know what you are doing to step into a more creative life. I hope you have a beautiful day and I will talk to you next Monday. Bye.